When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to a Tuesdays here at Tail Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Well, look who came off the milk carton. It is Connor Clark uh, in up, his suburban Chicago home. Connor Clark of the Big Ten Network. Can I say that? Uh, I wish. It's not official, so maybe <laughs> one day. You've been touring everywhere, Connor. Man, you've been uh, sparty. Yep. Sparty and Madison uh, in a span of about 48 hours. But that was fun. That was a good time. Which do you prefer? Which which town? Because I think they I both like, have their I pros. like East Lansing. I like East Lansing. Lansing sucked. No mm. offense to Lansing. <laughs> East Lansing, awesome. All of Madison is great, though. I've, I enjoyed my time in Madison, aside from the game that I went to. Well, well, what did you prefer? And I guess as a follow-up, do you have a favorite Big Ten campus? Well, I went to Michigan State to visit a friend and go to the game, so that was more of a, you know, kind of go, hang out, check it out a type of thing. A friend. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. But, Just a friend. Um, that was fun. <laughs> um, I know Madison's a great town. I went there on a college visit, so this was my second time going to Madison, but I drove there and back on the same day, so I really wasn't there for an extended period of time, <laughs> and I was working. So I would probably say Michigan State was more fun, but if I went to Madison as a fan, I would probably have more fun there because, you know, Madison is a, a fantastic town. But Beer and cheese. Got to get up yeah. to, to Madtown at some point. Connor just dropped the, I'm pretty bleeping smart. Uh, I visited <laughs> Wisconsin. Uh, I'm surrounded by uh, four O guys. That doesn't mean I got in, okay? Let's, they they, they, they are there. propping <laughs> me up. But uh, welcome to Hale Varsity. We have so much to get into of course, Michigan doing bad, naughty things to Washington last night. Reaction to that. And the topic of uh, style and how it still matters in college football. Big target tonight for Nebraska basketball, PBA. The roads are good in Lincoln. Well, most of them anyway, which means you got to pack PBA for 8 o'clock tip. Most of you already know that. It's been a chance to take down Number one, uh, we're loaded up Mitch Sherman from The Athletic with us in about 15 minutes. In hour two, uh, longtime Husker standout and assistant coach at Scott, Matt Verzel, going to join us. And then Andy Markowski, the pride of Ord, Husker standout uh, on the hardwood, get his take on Nebraska's shot against Purdue and uh, just really the, the rest of the Big Ten landscape. It is that time for Roll Call. We do this to kick off every show, our starting five. The first five in the stream get a shout-out. You want to watch the show, you want to participate in the stream and have your comments read or 
give us some thoughts or redirection. Hail Varsity YouTube, subscribe to that. And uh, watch and follow along. Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. And uh, give us a follow as well on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah at C underscore Clark underscore 27 for Connor Clark's twi- Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio for me. So uh, all that uh, being laid out, the bow was put on college football last night. Was it satisfying for you? the college football fan. Not just last night's championship game, but the season overall. As a Nebraska fan, you had your ups and downs on the roller coaster, uh, but with the offseason, the recruiting, the portal, uh, maybe some offensive coordinator slash additions to the staff news we touched on yesterday, I think Nebraska fans feel pretty good about year two with what's coming back and with what's coming on board. All that being said, there's this shadow that's been over Michigan. Some of you hate Michigan. Some of you now really, really hate Michigan because uh, in your eyes they cheated to win. And I'm not going to get into that debate. I think evidence is evidence. And and Harbaugh uh, is going to stop off to the NFL. I think he'll leave Michigan uh, holding the flaming bag that uh, Ed's wife told him not to put out with his boots. If you're uh, a, a Billy Madison fan, uh, listen, uh, last night was a little bit of intrigue. Michigan got in their own way, but in, in, uh, eventually Michigan flexed. Our starting five is Mike. Mike gets in there. Uh, NU Grandpa is second. Patrick in at third, and he's excited about it. Eric in at four. Tuck. Rounds out the starting five. And uh, I'll give Dion. Thank you. I'll give Dion a shout right out too, too because it was the exact same minute time. Man. I mean, he was so close that I think we ought to give him the, the six man award for Dion because he even said fifth. I think Tuck just barely snuck in before him, but that's uh, about as close as it comes a photo finish between Tuck and Dion for fifth. So we'll give Dion a, a half a point, maybe. Okay, a, sure. A, a six man. You know what we got to do, guys? We got to come up with some sort of prize at the end of each month. And, and again, not the flaming bag prize, but some sort of thank you. Well, the problem would be I'd have to track our top five every single week. Yeah, and you sound like you don't want to do that. No, no, that's not the Connor? problem. Connor? Could I do it? <laughs> the thing is, is I work in radio because I don't know how to work an Excel sheet. That is not my strength. I think this would require a good old-fashioned Excel sheet like or else it would take some, some real legwork. <laughs> hey, that could I, be a compliment. I, that could be boat. a diss. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> could be a compliment, could be a diss. I'm going to take it as a compliment. I think you meant it as a diss, but alas. Yeah, me and Excel sheets never quite got along. So many boxes and numbers and formulas and wor- like Word documents I can do fine, but an Excel sheet, I'll pass. No, all you got to do is just write their name down and throw it in a box to your left. Oh, we're talking like a, a random drawing? Yeah. Oh, that could work. That's all I'm I thought it was going to be based on like deservedness level like you know who got in first most who's in the top five most well, I mean, you we could, average you, it you out you could just tally it that'd be much easier yeah i mean we just go old school it's like the old betting sheets everything's yeah. online and uh, kiosk worthy but sometimes the old betting sheet you just pull out of your back pockets the winner yeah uh listener elijah much smarter than co-host elijah he chimes in and says just use old-fashioned tally marks yeah yeah, I didn't think about that. It's like you're counting the idea. days off before you get released. Well, see, it's it's our generation. Our generation doesn't know how to use a pencil and paper anymore. 
Just a laptop? As, as you're staring at me. <laughs> then there's a generation that just scream at the clouds and say, man, I miss my muscle car. Uh, listen, um, muscle car was kind of the theme last night. Ah, what it was a transition. All, it was all Michigan. It was line of scrimmage. It was big plays in the run game. Michigan could have dropped 50. But guess what? Style matters. Whoever the next quarterback in Michigan's going to be, we got to show them we got to throw the ball, right? You get in your own way sometimes. Credit to Washington. They battled back. My wife comes in last night to the bedroom. This is not going where we all uh, are fearful it will go. She walks in and goes, man, that wasn't very nice. They kept running Penix out there. They're beating the hell out of him. (laughs) That guy looked like... He had been through 12 rounds of hell. That was questionable. And, and all he did was just get hit after hit after hit. There was really no run game, even though Washington didn't totally abandon it. But it's, it's by, by air or by land. How are you going to party when push comes to shove and you got to go win a football game? Michigan's able to throw the football. Uh, Michigan sometimes forces throwing the football, but what really flipped things around, guys, is J.J. McCarthy scrambling a couple of times with that uh, that that second-to-last touchdown drive. And Pettix, I, I talked myself out of getting to the sports book and putting money on Michigan, so much so that I picked Washington in our picks for steak and a beer last night because I just said, you know what, Pettix – He's faced some heat. He's stared down some pressure. Well, not like Michigan. My initial thought, my gut was this, again, revisionist history, that Michigan was going to just have their way on the lines of scrimmage. That's what I originally thought. I think we go back and check the tape a week or two ago. That's what I thought. And uh, I, we're, we're all kind of in agreement that that was how it happened. But lines of scrimmage... When push comes to shove, guys, you still win the football uh, game by running the football. You still win the football game by getting after the quarterback and stopping the run. Was that not shades last night of, of like, to me, it reminded me of, like, the 95 Orange Bowl? No bit. With, with like, Penix being, uh, being... Frank Costa? Frank Costa just getting absolutely See, that's not very long. nice to do to Michael Penix. Uh, I think Michael Penix is better than him, but in terms, in terms of how flustered he was all game long, just, how many times he hits. ended up on his back, the hits, how in pain he looked at the end of the game, you almost felt bad for him every single oh, time he, he ran out I there mean, late. He, he was holding his side like he was hemorrhaging. Uh, and, it was and, the side, it was the ankle. Like He was making uncharacteristically yeah. bad throws, I think, because he was out there hurting. And that, that reminded me of, of just the, the Frank Costa against Nebraska. Well, the, the pressure guys, I mean, he, how off was he? I mean, he he routinely dropped it in the bucket year after year, game after game this season, mm-hmm. and he was off on on open throws because he is worried about getting hit. You saw the New York Giants do it twice to Tom Brady, right? You get him off his spot. Michigan was too good. Hail to the victors! They're your champs. They are still partying in Ann Arbor. And Husker Twitter was glorious last night, reminding. Everybody in college football, that that's Michigan's first national championship since 1948. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because within the state borders, you don't count 97 as a split. But all in all, uh, it ended up kind of like how how Jim Harbaugh wanted it. Not with binoculars, not with secrets, but with power football and great run defense. And Michigan's just 
continued to, to, to be stacked. He shifted away from the, the glamour of the four and five star. Not that he didn't have a boatload of four stars and an occasional five star. But, but Harbaugh went after fit. And nine years later, he's delivered on a championship. And I, I find it funny. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, man, Michigan better enjoy this championship now before it gets revoked by the NCA. That's not going to happen. No, the NCAA no. is no. The NCAA is completely toothless. That's like I know some people out there want that to happen. They want Michigan to get it revoked. At the end of the day, Michigan was, I mean, I, I've been standing on a soapbox saying this for a while now. I thought Michigan had the potential of having a season that would put them in the, the upper echelon of the college football playoff champions. And I think based on what I've seen the past 10 years, Michigan's wire-to-wire dominance the only game they really struggled with was probably Bama. You could maybe make an argument for Ohio State, but not really. I mean, those were two close games. Michigan absolutely ran through everybody on their schedule this season with relative ease. Ohio State, I know it was close, but even then they Why did their they do away. that? Are they that much better on the lines of scrimmage or they know what was coming? <laughs> That's mm. a great question, but I mean, considering I'm glad you said that, Schmitty. Considering Stallions got caught with you. I mean, Michigan did it without their head coach for was it 9 games Half this the season? season 6. I mean, that's absurd. Insanity. Yeah. The fact that you didn't have your head coach and you were still running through teams. You didn't throw the ball once in the second half against Penn State. You won. You the were Lions well prepped. Took care of it. That team, love them or hate them, is I one of the, the better teams we've seen in college football for a while. Like the college football playoff top teams you think of, that Clemson team that absolutely destroyed Bama in the, the playoff, in the championship game, I should say. LSU is where I go. LSU 2019 and then Georgia last year, Michigan now. Like those are the, 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 the teams that really stand out in my memory in the college football playoff era of being dominant. And I, I think Michigan is rightfully, in my mind, up there with those other teams. Are they the best team to ever do it in college football? No. Let's maybe save that conversation for a little bit. Husker fans aren't ready to have that just yet. I don't think they're there, but they are a very damn good team, one of the better teams we've seen in college football in the past decade. They're very good, and I agree with most of everything you just said, Elijah, and that's what makes me more upset about the whole scandal thing because they just didn't need to do it. Like, mm. whether or not that happened, I still think they go undefeated, they, they win it all, or at least get to the playoff, and that's the thing that I just have an issue with. Now, again, their, their offensive and defensive line are unbelievable. They're fun to watch. I mean – you saw some of the, the things that they did to, offense, or to Washington's offensive line last night. It was something that obviously Washington really hasn't seen much of in the Pac-12, and now they're going to have to get used to it as they transition over to the Big Ten this year. But that's like the main issue I have with it. No, their championship's not going to get revoked. Uh, yes, they're going to claim that they split in 97, whether you like that or not. But overall, really good team. They were definitely the best team out of the four, and they proved that. And uh, – yeah, it was just it was odd seeing Penix get knocked off of his game that much. I mean, even before he was dealing with those nagging injuries, it felt like he was missing throws. I mean, the one that was wide open in the first half comes to mind. Um, that was just it, well, it was really odd down, to see. Yeah. Yeah. The holding calls went Michigan's way or uh, didn't go against Michigan, and that was pretty evident last night. And there's a couple of big question marks, and it was more than just a holding call. I mean, it was just uh, a battering all night long. So if you got a side on a snowy Tuesday, love or hate, where yet? And I don't think Nebraska fans going into year thirteen or fourteen or whatever it is in the Big Ten, you're not quite like the SEC where you're chanting conference glory. I think there's teams you really dislike in the Big Ten, just like you really disliked in the Big Twelve, just like you disliked in the Big Eight. That. 
Doesn't matter if they're playing to, to bring it home and it may make you look better because they win it. You still want them to lose. Case in point, Colorado in my household. So, love or hate, where do you side with this Michigan football team? I kind of love them. <laughs> do you? I, I just love the style in which they play, the way they rose to adversity. I hate their Michigan versus everybody shirts. Not a huge fan of J- J.J. McCarthy and his performative yoga before games. But at the end of the day, <laughs> this team is dominant. They did it in old school fashion. They simplified football, and they took down everyone in their path with ease. It's hard for me to hate this Michigan team. They, they, they do it the right – I shouldn't say they do it the right oh, way. Sorry. Their players just have the right mindset, the kind of mindset that I resonate with. Hate, love, or respect. I'm going to go respect. Respect is the right way to put it. Yeah. What I'm do you think, Connor? I'm stay on the hate train. Okay. Well, that's – I'll that's be there a, forever. That's a Big Ten guy <laughs> there. Well, we'll uh, hear from Mitch Sherman from the Athletic Hale Varsity continues powered by Cornhead Lager. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic with us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Harbaugh and the Wolverines unleashing the fury. Uh, on Washington last night. Mitch, a exclamation point for the Big Ten last night. How you doing? I'm well, Schmitty. How are you? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, it was a Big Ten win either way. I don't know <laughs> to the commissioner of the Big Ten if if you want the you know the incoming rising program and the you know the hot hottest coach in the country. I suppose you could say, and Kalen DeBoer to be hoisting that trophy as he enters the league, or if you want. Jim Harbaugh, who's been been you know at times I guess dragging the league through the mud this season on on perhaps his way out the door to to hoist it, but I guess um, it's somewhat of a no a no lose situation, and uh, you know at least the team that's currently in the Big Ten uh, and will continue to be in the Big Ten, just saying that that Washington is not currently in the Big Ten is the uh, is the champion in in, uh, in the 2023 season. Well, Mitch, it'd be kind of fitting if Harbaugh, after being dragged through the mud on his way out, goes and, and drags Washington through the mud on their way in, right? Well, let's be clear that Harbaugh was not dragged through the mud. He did the dragging himself. So I <laughs> heard a lot last night, Michigan players uh, and coaches after the game and talking about how they fought through adversity. And, and, and you know, it's not really adversity when you when you bring it on yourself. I, I think, and not to say that JJ McCarthy or Blake Corum or the players uh, brought the adversity on themselves. So I suppose they did experience some adversity. But Michigan as a program, this was self-inflicted. Let's be let, let's be clear about that. I, yeah, and and it probably is on the way out the door. You know, you heard you heard Harbaugh after it. Uh, you know, not really want to go down the road of talking about his future. That's understandable in the in the wake of a of a national championship. I I think most coaches would act the same way there if they were considering something. But uh, I found the words of, uh, of Ward Manuel, the Michigan AD that I read this morning to be telling. And, 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 you know, he seems to be already preparing for, for uh, the task that he would have ahead to fill Harbaugh's seat. If in fact, he does jump to the NFL. Mitch last night, were you surprised of what happened or were you more expecting Michigan to pull away over Washington because it felt like two very different styles clashing at once. Yeah, I was on Michigan. I was on Michigan before the game. I thought Michigan would win, um, and then the way that it that it began, um, I, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm 
impressed that Washington kept it as close as it did for as long as the Huskies did. They they definitely adjusted, and you get you got to give big kudos to Michigan for the way that it game planned and it saw something in that Washington defense that allowed its offensive linemen not to just make initial blocks, but they were popping those big runs, three or four of them right at the beginning of the game because those offensive linemen were able to get to the linebackers. And once they did, it was, you know, I, most of that Michigan yardage on those long, long runs to begin the game, you know, it was 20, 30 yards downfield before Corum and Edwards were, were even getting touched. So, if you can scheme that, uh, then you're doing something right in preparation. And, and to think that Michigan, in my mind, came in with an edge, just hat against hat, and then out-schemed Washington the way that it did on the first few possessions, uh, credit to Washington and Kalen DeBoer. And that's why they were 14-0 and coming into this game, because they adjusted and, and really you know, had a chance in the second half to, to pull even. And, and if that happens, who knows? Maybe it goes to overtime. Maybe Washington wins because it's got the momentum, but um, you know the fourth quarter, of course, uh, turned back in the direction of the Wolverines. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, style matters, uh, specifically on the lines of scrimmage, and I, I want to kind of get your take with uh, some of the, the weekend uh, smoke with Data Holgerson and his style, mm-hmm. and we kind of laid it out yesterday while you've got the the air raid branding uh he has done a lot of different offensive styles or he's been pretty adaptable through his career at west virginia and at, and at, and at houston what's your reaction to the name data holgerson if uh that that becomes a reality some way shape or form mm-hmm. for nebraska well, he's an experienced guy who who brings a lot of offensive expertise and you know if he ends up coming to Nebraska it's not to bring the air raid um, it's not necessarily to bring his offense Marcus Satterfield is is, is going to be unless he chooses to go somewhere which I, I don't think he will with the, the salary that he's contracted to to earn next year he's the offensive coordinator in this program and they're going to run his offense and Matt rules offense and there will be influences and if Dana Holgerson's a part of that then his, then his offensive history will will in some way influence what Nebraska does but um, you know Matt rule likes Holgerson uh, in part because of his history in running the ball and you know they've been they've been coached in the same conference in the big 12 and and have developed a relationship and and um, you know it's part of what brought him to Lincoln but obviously they're, they're also talking about some options and there are going to be moves that rule makes i feel more certain about that than i did even before holgerson came into town uh, on the weekend uh rule is going to make some kind of a move or moves here likely this month and you know i think some of it involves um the nfl playoffs and and you know we've talked about glenn thomas before the uh quarterbacks coach for the pittsburgh steelers and they snuck into the playoffs so there's another week or two to wait to see if, if that's something that can work. And obviously Holgerson's name is, is known and, and out there. So we'll, we'll see where this, where this all fits and what kind of a role Dana would play if, in fact, he does join the Nebraska staff. But, um, you know, it's not going to be a situation where, like, he's coming in and bringing his offense. His influence will be felt, and most of his influence, you know, his history goes back to Air Raid and Mike Leach and being a part of that tree. But... Um, I think what appeals to Matt Rule just as much, if not more, 
uh, is the way that, that he's incorporated the run game into that and, and his ability to coach quarterbacks. Mitch, I'm of the opinion that Dana Holgerson probably wouldn't have made a, hus- or a public appearance with the football team with Matt Rule on Saturday at the wrestling meet if this wasn't almost a, a done deal or pretty close to the finish line. Do, do you get the same feel? Yes and no. Um, you know, I've talked to Dana and know his personality um, a little bit. Um, I can't say that I know him well, but I've been around him some, and I don't think he really cares what people think, um, especially at this point in his career. And if, if it were to get to a situation where the job that Nebraska had for him isn't something that he wants to do and it didn't work out, I don't think he would lose any sleep over the fact that he made a public appearance in Lincoln. You know, not a lot of people noticed him. Um, I was there because I wanted to see Nash Upmacher and, and, and Russell, and, um, you know, I, as I think a lot of people were, and that's why the, the football staff, of course, was there. And I noticed Dana, saw Dana, you know, had, a, had a, an idea that he might be there um, even before, uh, you know, he came over from the stadium with Matt Rule. Um, as the as the duel got started, but you know it's not like they paraded him out in front of everybody. They kind of sat up in a in a you know an area of the of the the second level of the Devaney Center where I don't know that it, certainly not everyone in the arena knew he was there. Um, you know I know I know Elijah, you sent me, you sent me a picture um, of, that I took and put out on Twitter with with Holgerson in it. Uh, that was not the intention there uh, on my part to. Uh, to put that, I, I was tweeting about Nash and uh, and showing that the football staff was there and Dana, you know, a blurry side shot of him happened to be in the in the photo. But you know, until we, I, I, and the reason I, did, I I wasn't like trying to make a big deal out of it is because I hadn't talked to Matt Rule about about Dana and and what his potential role could be if in fact there is a potential role. So I, I wasn't really able to report anything at that time, but. Um, you know, even without me, people would have known he was there. I don't think Dana cares if if uh, if he gets a job here, great. And then if he doesn't, and he was at the wrestling duel with Matt Rule again, who is is a friend of his, then that's fine too. Mitch, the theory yesterday was that that Holgerson's in town to to open a Cinnabon in Lincoln, in Omaha. <laughs> Well, there there are locations. No, I, I mean, you another can, one though. You know, a la Better uh, Call Saul is what we're getting at. He's not, we're not. He's not. He's not bringing the franchise to <laughs> Omaha. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I would think he would, that if he's coming, he wouldn't. He want to bring something with with more of like a Texas connection to it or a Southern connection, uh, being that that's where he uh, he most recently coached. Although Dana's, a, you know, an Iowa guy. Bring us Waterburger, and that's. Again. Whataburger would be money in Lincoln. Oh my gosh! If he could do that, then then uh, you know he 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 wouldn't even need to coach the quarterbacks, and he could he'd be the most popular guy in town. I, you know, Omaha and Lincoln are both the kind of places that go crazy over new restaurants, even if they're they're not new to the rest of the country. And uh, what Whataburger would be uh, would be a massive hit. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can do it in Kansas City. Then then, then I think Matt Rule and his connections can make it happen in Lincoln. The chicken biscuit. I need a Shake Shack. Oh, Shake Shack. Yeah, I agree. But the, Shake Shack, the, I would think, would be better. The chicken biscuit at Whataburger is worth the price of admission. So good. Well, I'll take your. I've never, never been. I'm sheltered. They have a honey butter on there. It's, oh, it's Elijah's not, turning this into the food hour. I like yes. it. Well, Mitch, before you get out of here, just overall thoughts on some of the newer additions from the portal and commitments, and what your thoughts on those guys going forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and the, 
there's a big difference between Isaiah Nair, who's coming in as a, as an older player in in this offense and and is going to walk in in the spring uh, after his two years at Texas and contend for the the wide receiver one position for Nebraska. There's a need there to have a veteran presence, uh, you know, a bigger body, uh, somebody with the kind of skill and speed and experience that he has. And, you know, that's, 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 that's a tremendous addition for, for Nebraska in this offense. And, 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 you know, let's just say it for Dylan Rayola. I mean, he's, he's likely the guy that Nebraska's turning to at quarterback certainly has a, a significant edge right now, I would say, to win that job. We'll find out more in the spring where Nebraska's at, at that position. But that's, that's, you know, common sense at this point is that he's going to be throwing the football for Nebraska in, in 2024, and so that's that's really big for for him to to have somebody. You know, we're not going to say that he's Trey Palmer, we're not going to say that he's Samari Toure, but I think as a, as a transfer with one year to play, he can have some kind of a similar impact to what Nebraska got in those two players out of the portal at the wide receiver spot. Um, Dowdell is a younger guy. I mean, he should be a redshirt freshman, but Oregon did him no favors by playing him in a fifth game this year when he wasn't really a part of the running back rotation. So he comes to Nebraska as a second-year sophomore, and he's he's walking into a room while it's banged up. Um, it's it's crowded. And, you know, while when, when, when they're healthy, when Ramir Johnson is healthy and Gabe Irvin is healthy, and that might be after the spring, we'll see. Um, as it gets closer, we'll find out more about what the status of those guys are for spring practice. I don't imagine that even if they're healthy, they're going to take many hits, those two, um, in March and April, in part because of their experience and, and in part because of the fact that they've had repeated injuries and they're older players in the program, and you just don't need to do that. Um, but when Nebraska's at full strength at running back, you know, Dowdell's another piece. He's a he's someone who can be a, th- a three down back and can certainly contend for the number one position. But it's not like Nair where you can just pencil him in and say, okay, I think this guy's going to be the starter. He'll 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 compete for it. But there's a number of other guys, and and you know don't don't count out um, Quentin Ives, who is the same age as Dowdell and somebody that Nebraska really likes. You know, one of the, one of the players on a small list who I think Nebraska believes can be a breakout. Um, after a redshirt season in this program. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. Mitch, we'll check in soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Okay, good to talk to you guys. Thanks a lot. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? We're not pointing you yet. On Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. You're gearing up. Number one, Purdue is in town. It would be a monster wow moment for Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska basketball. We'll dive into the anatomy of an upset. Andy Markowski with his next hour. Matt Verzel going to be with us here to kick off hour two. 489-1240. Open phones right now. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. So we got uh, some dueling topics. One. We have uh, jumped on the <laughs> the fast food train, as many folks in the stream, and you can participate with your input on the title, the title game last night, Husker football, Holgerson, uh, Nebraska v. Purdue, or just what fast food franchise you would bring to Lincoln, Omaha, or Nebraska. You mentioned Whataburger, Elijah, our friend uh, Fifth Quarter Tailgate. He wants him some White Castle. White Castle's overrated. See, I I had a buddy that drug me to Detroit on purpose 
during the summer. We were in college, and we went to a, a, a Tigers game. It was like invite only, just parents and friends, and, and then us in the outfield in May. And he went there, I swear to you, because he missed White, White Castle. He wanted to go to White Castle. He had relatives in Michigan and in Chicago. Every summer, the frozen ones aren't bad. Yeah, but I, 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 fifth quarter, good for you and the White Castle love. But I side with Elijah. I like that's Sp- kind of a, a last draft pick for I, me. And I've only had I White agree. Castle I once. I should know. I've seen the movie Harold and Kumar. And right. I, th- I thought it'd be fantastic. I go to White Castle. I was slightly disappointed. Maybe I had a bad experience. I don't think I did. I like sliders. Is the thing. I think sliders are great. I just don't think White Castle is like a great slider joint. Mm. They, they have great name recognition, but eh. Yeah, I mean, you're they're, beast- they're a six out of ten. Beastie Boy. Beastie Boys swear by they they swore by White Castle. My guy was a big Beastie Boys fan, and uh, <laughs> he uh, he ended up uh, getting us t- to White Castle. Uh, yeah, Harold and Kumar uh, really did that a solid. I'm a Shake Shack. I hadn't had Shake Shack until we went to Colorado uh, for a baseball trip, and I think that's incredible. Uh, Locally, we're lucky to have the Runzes and the Slim Chickens of the world. And, uh, of course, um, uh, you know, Junior does everything he can Chick-fil-A-wise. We're lucky with Lazari's. We love them. That's that's not fast food, though. So I I have to say, if I'm going to go fast food, man, I, I mean, I'm just boring and easy. And let me pig out on the dollar menu at McDonald's. Even though some of the uh, the sizes, of those. some of the sizes uh, of the 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 burgers or Big Macs, they feel like they've shrunk. But I I circle Shake Shack. I will trust you on the Whataburger take. Whataburger has some solid burgers. Spicy ketchup is awesome. Jalapeno ranch is awesome. I do really like Whataburger. It might not be my top choice though, as I think about it some more. Uh, our dear friend Brian <laughs> Snitley. Late night Whataburger make that wait. Late night White Castle makes a hangover even worse. <laughs> Listen, In and Out. In and Out is average. People swear by it. Their fries suck. The fries are bad. It brings down the entire quality. I will say though, the burger is a better quality burger than you can get at any other fast food joint. What? I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait in a drive-through line for it. If if In and Out is packed, I'd say McDonald's is good enough for me. But in and out, if like there's no line, you can just get in, get out. Their burgers, are you quality, very good. Both I'm going act- Shake Shack over In and Out. Yeah, same here. Are, are you both actively uh, needing food because you're in a state, or you just like fast food? Let's talk context. Uh, I think I think a Shake Shack type thing is like you like. Are you asking like if you want to go there, or if you just need something? Well, I'm asking, are you both, uh, is it after midnight when you're going for fast food runs? Well, then I don't think it really matters. <laughs> <laughs> are they open? That's the question. Is it open? Is what it kind of hot? Uh, uh, Steven says, look, chili cheese fries from Whataburger are amazing at 2 a.m. Okay, can, can I add a couple of restaurants yes, to the list sure. here, though? Because I know I let it off with Whataburger. I don't think, okay, the thing is, the problem is if we're talking after midnight, Nebraska needs a Waffle House. Yes, Waffle that Houses would, are yeah, incredible. Well. I love Waffle House. Well. I can't lie. Waffle I like House. the diner. I, we specifically moved in college to be closer to the diner. 
when it, it was 24 hours. It's no longer 24 hours. RIP the 24-hour diner. Still love Highway Diner. Yes. Um, Waffle House, though, fantastic. You guys ever been to Cookout, though? No. Explain. No. It's a southern, I don't know how to describe it. It's a fast food. It's like a mix and match joint. So they just have a, a big menu. And as opposed to picking like, oh, this comes with fries, you get like a tray. And you just go, I want these three items. And it's a low price. They're open pretty much 24 hours. Only located in the south. They have floats, great prices. Grits. Uh, anything that makes you fat, they have. <laughs> <laughs> Give That's me old school hash browns. Uh, let's bring it back to, to Nebraska Purdue tonight. Purdue is the what of fast food? What? Shake Shack. Are they? <laughs> they're up there. They're, they're, they're there. They're number one. They're they're coveted. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they don't come to town very often. No. You got to see them. Uh, crew checks in. Crime rate would go up in Nebraska if you do at a Waffle House that's open 24 hours. <laughs> Just at the Waffle House location. No, that's yeah. exactly. Yes, yes. Those, some of those videos of the late night Waffle House drama are some of the best on the internet. They are. And sometimes they're, they're angry NFL or college football fans. Who's on the line? We have Paul and Lincoln. Paul, thanks for calling. Go for it. Hey, guys, you kind of already answered the question. I was going to uh, ask you for your opinion of In-N-Out Burger, which I've never had. Uh, oh, well, In-N-Out Burger. I don't know. I'd, I'd try it and see what you think, because I think, I think the, the, the burger's good. I think the fries are, are weak. Yeah, the burger is quality, I, for sure. I, yeah, I agree. Well, I, I think that's, I'm sorry. That's uh, sight unseen. I know that I'm a prejudice in this matter, but we are so spoiled in Nebraska. We've got both Valentino's and, of course, Runza, and... Hey, you gonna you gonna call Purdue something other than Runza on free Runza temperature yeah, Tuesday? It is temperature Tuesday. It's free shout out Tuesday too. Apparently, it, I think it'd be, <laughs> it'd be sacrilegious against the state of Nebraska though to call Purdue a Nebraska-owned restaurant. Yes. Yeah, that, that'd be wrong. Now, give me a boilermaker, right. Paul. Thank All you. Right. Appreciate it. Well, one other thing though yeah. about uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. I, I just can't. Uh, forgive him it's almost like in flagrate all over again and everyone talking about well maybe he's going to go to the nfl how is he not the top of the list for the patriots considering how uh, uh cheater friendly they seem to be <laughs> yeah i don't think anyone in their right mind follows belichick vrabel well that's that's absolutely correct well, we also know vrabel's in his right mind no, who but said, who said true. Harbaugh's in his right mind? I'm saying you don't typically follow a legend. Maybe I'm oh, being sure. too gun shy there, but hey, Paul, thanks for the phone call. Thanks, Appreciate guys. you. So yeah, we've got a lot of things working here. We've gone into the uh, the NFL carousel. We're thinking about Purdue. How much uh, Shake Shack could Edie crush? Ooh, a, too much. Yeah, like the dude is 300 pounds. I no, think. I know he's 300. Somebody send him seven bags of whatever your favorite local fast food is and make him about a step or two slow so Daddy can take the seven and a half tonight. I would love to see that guy's diet. We'll wind down hour one. Matt Verzel on the way for hour two. Andy Markowski coming up with Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Let's talk about dire law, personal injury. Have you been hurt in a personal injury accident? You can count on dire law. 
and the team to provide you with a helping hand you need no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law and the team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chow with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. Dyer.Law, that's Dyer Law, 402-393-7529. Mark checked in during the break and said there's a baked potato bar or some setup like that in Denver. Did he emphasize baked? He did not. That's a, a good one, Schmitty. I didn't think about that. That's a good one. I wish I would have made that joke. He said it was out in Cherry Creek, though. Couldn't remember the name of it, but said a, a baked potato bar like that This doesn't fantastic. set up well, Cherry Creek, dispensary. Mark, thank you for listening, first and foremost. But um, could you imagine uh, uh, the, um, the whiff of a baked potato if you're super, super hungry? And you're out of Funyuns? Well, I, I was going to say, imagine that for a business idea in Denver. A baked potato bar, half dispensary, half potatoes. <laughs> you you can handle genius. one thing, and then as you're walking out, you go, wow, those potatoes do smell good, wow. don't they? <laughs> Jay Hills checks in. Uh, he says, in and out Burger or Carl's, he says, Huskers by five tonight. We'll do our predictions Ooh. tonight. Uh, Montana Husker once uh, in and out. Smash burgers are cool. Uh, Skyline Chili. Uh, that's the that's the place in Cincinnati where they yes, put the chili on the spaghetti, right? I, apparently, gross. Yes, that's wrong. The the best I've thing I've had it. It's actually not that bad. The Big Kahuna Burger. Oh, tasty burger. Good work, Eric. So the the sauce and we've raved about it before in Indy at Elmo's. Mm. The cocktail sauce with the shrimp oh. they give you. When Iowa, Russ and I were at the Big Ten Championship game. Twice I've seen Michigan this year, voluntarily. And what made that trip was the shrimp cocktail sauce and uh, a fun time with a friend. We're um, gearing towards, uh, Nick says, give me De Leon's potato ole around 2 a.m. We've got a lot of 2 a.m. entries here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know whether to be impressed or concerned about that. There is thing. not enough restaurants nowadays open past midnight. Since since COVID, that's kind of... I know. I mean, you're, you're really out of options. If you're feeling a late-night snack, your options are your locally daily owns, maybe McDonald's if you're lucky. Even McDonald's are closing now. They're not open 24 hours. Like, what the hell? Uh, Tim know. checks in. Omaha used to have a bar called Chicago, and you could have peanuts on the floor. Uh, best burgers ever. I miss... Sorry to those with nut allergies, but I miss where you could roll into a place pre-COVID and you could just be an elephant. You could hammer peanuts because there was just a, a tin of peanuts for you to eat. You can still do that at Five Guys, can't you? I don't know. Yeah. I, know I, I admittedly okay. haven't been in a while. They raised their prices. Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> Just an opinion, <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> I could sit down and have like a full meal plus a beer somewhere and a tip for the price it costs to go to Five Guys nowadays. Uh, Roulade checks in. Back to Michigan. We kicked this whole thing off with Michigan. And the word we kind of came up with was you respect them because of how they won and how they played. But Roulade uh, 757 says sign stealing is the equivalent to steroids in baseball. Everyone was doing doing it. Bond is just doing it better, as was Michigan. So, uh, we'll get some thoughts from Matt Verzel. Hour two on the way. It's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. 
This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager Pizza Man and assistant coach at Scott. We say hi to Matt Verzel with us at Verz51 on Twitter. Verz, how you feeling after the national championship game? What a beauty of uh, ground and pound or sadness because college football is going to be going away for a while. Yeah, it was <laughs> it's inevitable. And the the best that I made that night showed as much, but it was, <laughs> I, I struggle a lot with people and how they interpret the game now. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you look at, at national champions okay, and the way things go, the ones that did are the ones that can control line of scrimmage. And as much as they say it's a thrower's game now, they it all goes through the run. So to watch Michigan just carve Washington up the way they did, um, without some questionable, we'll call it, play calls mm-hmm. through the middle of the second quarter and part of the third. I think that could have got real ugly. But, yeah, single tier for me as an offensive lineman, you got to watch a really, really good Michigan offensive line just dismantle a defense, and it was a thing of beauty. What would you make of the, the performance of the Washington offensive line? They won the Joe Moore Award this season for nation's top offensive line, but they had some uncharacteristic mistakes and uh, Michigan flexed their muscle offensively. I, I, do you think Michigan's offensive line felt a little bit disrespected? That's become the, the word of the, the year in college football. I think they felt disrespected by the fact they didn't win the Joe Moore Award. That was a, a pretty dominating performance from the Michigan offensive line. Yeah, Michigan had been the two-time defending champion of, of the Joe Moore Award, so uh, I, I don't think anybody can properly prepare themselves for what Michigan has on the defensive line. That That's a hard thing to do when they they can come at you with talented individuals, but they also come at you in waves. Like they're, they're playing a lot of people in the game. There's no drop-off in it. It's a really a relentless, a relentless attack by the defense. And, you know, it's hard, man. I mean, it's tough sledding when you're not, when you're not used to seeing the speed and the physicality all together. You know, some some weeks if you're watching, you're going to get one of them. Okay, these guys are a little bit smaller, a little bit faster. We got to do these things X Y Z to beat them. These guys next week they're a little bit stronger. They're not quite as quick. We're going to do X Y and Z to beat them. Then when you get Michigan to come in, it's like, well, they're fast and they're big. And okay, let's figure this out quickly because it's not going very well. So it's it's a tough step up. They did have good flashes though during the game. You can see why they won that award. They were able to start to control line of scrimmage and they move the ball and, and unfortunately they didn't get to convert it into a whole bunch of points but they're both two well coached teams they're both two teams built on discipline structure and you know Michigan ain't going anywhere they're they're three four deep in the line Washington coming into the Big Ten I, I would bet good money they're not going to drop off a whole bunch Matt Verzel's with us Hale Varsity Radio Verz the, the coaches get too caught up in style uh, Got to look sexy doing it versus just getting dirty and doing it. I don't know if coaches do. I know offensive coordinators do. 
<laughs> offensive coordinators want to show you how huge their brain is and look at all these exotic plays I drew up. And that's all well and good. Those are fun for the kids and, and fun for everybody. But at the end of the day, rubber's going to meet the road and we got to win this game. So <laughs> you, you got to get some stuff done. And nine times out of ten, that's a, that's a good offensive line, really good run, patient running backs. And that usually will win you a lot more than it will lose you. Well, speaking of offensive coordinators trying to, to look flashy and, and be sexy, Dana Holgerson's been the name of the weekend for Nebraska. A lot of rumors out there around his name. Do you worry about a coach that comes from an air raid background coming to Nebraska and how that would fit with Rule? Well, 100%. Yep. It's, <clears throat> I do think there's, there's a portion of your recruiting, a portion of what you are offensively, that it depends on where you live okay, and, and where you have access to talent. Does Nebraska produce some great receivers? Yes. Are they going to produce a high enough quantity where you can have you know, three sets of five of them? Probably not. So I think tailoring that to how it works or, how, or how you, what you have access to for capital, which is who's the player, I think that's got to factor into who's your play caller. Um, you know, a guy that probably would fit really nicely at Nebraska would be like a Paul Chris type of guy. We're going to be able to find – big linemen, you're going to be able to find tight ends, you're going to be able to find good receivers that as you establish yourself controlling the football via the run, now play action passes open. I mean, I thought Michigan did a great job. You get an anti safety like like Washington was. Washington safety started nose around in the box. It's a play action pass and you're 45 yards down the field before they really know what happens. So I think catering what you do offensively to the area of the, of the country you live in is a big thing. Vers, it, that's the the thing that you need to be able to do is is do both, i.e., play bully ball, rock the line of scrimmage. But if push comes to shove, you got to make a incomplete a pass from time to time. You also got to be able to run it when you have to. Tell me a little bit about what made you guys so successful with those championship runs because bread and butter was just mauling people. And, and mauling people in the fourth quarter. But there were some ball games uh, where, where Nebraska did turn to the pass, not just in play action, not just as, <laughs> gotcha, yeah, that safety kept cheating, but Nebraska uh, was able to, to open things up, kind of shake off a defense with some, some passing. It didn't happen often, but it did happen. Inevitably, it's going to happen. Somebody is going to want to test the waters and say, <clears throat> we've, we've scouted you. Your schemes and your, your desires lead you to this. Okay? So we're going to put somebody in there. We're going to put one more than you can block in there. He's a really good tackler. Those five- and six-yard gains you have are now three- and four-yard gains. And, they, and it's all how comfortable you can stay. You know, some people can stay comfortable three, four, and they don't fear fourth down. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like, hey, we've got to convert it. Uh, and then there's times when, like, okay, we're good with this. We've, we've actually worked you into a matchup that we like because we think our tight end can beat your safety. We think our, our X or, or Z receiver can beat your corner. So now you've committed a safety. So we have no safety help. We made the throw easier. And now we can do what we want to do. So it's always that maintaining control. When the offense seems to be playing 
the bully ball type of thing. The the beauty of Nebraska's system, and I think Michigan's system to an extent, is the simplicity. It's it's not necessarily that you're trying to call a play and guess where the defense will be. It's that you arm your, your players with knowledge of the game that regardless of where they line up, we have a scheme for it, and we have a call for it, and we have an execution standard for it. So that was the, the great thing with what we did back then. It was very simple. But if anybody shifted or moved or showed us something that we didn't, hadn't seen, which was rare, we had repetition enough of just our base rules of the play. And so if, you're supposed to, if we thought you were going to line up inside shade and you're lining up a gap outside, it doesn't matter. Everybody's rule changes. Everybody go do your job and, and, and get yards. So that, that's, I think things get too complicated too many times. Again, to go back and pick on offensive coordinators, <laughs> they want to guess what the defense is doing. I want to arm my linemen with the knowledge of the game. I don't care where you line up. We have, we have, a, we have calls for it. We have a scheme for it. So it doesn't matter what you do. Burr's going to go to the NFL here, and you've got some openings, Vegas, Chargers, Tennessee now, Atlanta, presumably New England, although nothing official. And uh, Matt Verzel gets a phone call. What job do you like best? I would probably say San Diego because I think you have – I don't even know if that was one of them. Yep, I said, a, I said Chargers. I think you have a quarterback whose talent is being not used properly. And I, I do also think they have some good players. I think we're just kind of a – Fresh reboot, change of attitude. I think they can become very relevant very fast. So that would probably be where I, I, I wouldn't want to replace Brable because he's very smart. And from what I've heard, that's just a, a piss and match with the GM. And, and GMs are right behind. GMs are right behind offensive coordinators in my book of people that need to get how, how, how thick is your book? <laughs> Two pages. Oh, no. Just one, two. One says I'm in the coordinator, one says GM. The good GMs arm coaches with with what they want, and they have a great working relationship. The GM that wants to make it about their great acquisition are the ones that usually get rid of good coaches. And and the other part that happens in that, kids in high school, kids in college, kids in the professionals, they're not dumb. They know when the adults aren't getting along. (laughs) <laughs> they can act crazy because it's like a divorce. They're just trying to pick a side. Like, who, who do I want to side with? Here, the coach or the GM? So that's why I think what what happened in Tennessee happened in Tennessee. But yeah, I'd probably go to San Diego. Well, versus that in, in the NFL this week again, you have the the teams that are looking for a coach. You have the teams that are preparing for their playoff matchups next week. You have some teams like the Broncos that are preparing for how bad it's going to get next season. But I want to focus in on the playoffs, and I want to get your thoughts. Who are you pulling for this postseason? Who do you like? Do you have any dark horses? What is Matt Verzel's postseason primer for the NFL? This won't be popular, but the sooner Kansas City can get eliminated, the better. I'm with you. Um, You know, on the NFC side, I mean, that's the Niners and everybody else. Mm -hmm. Philly kind of stumbling down the stretch. Dallas, you don't know if you can trust them. The Packers hose the Bears with terrible, terrible calls on the last game of the year. So I, that one, that, that, but I do have to tip my cap to the Packers. I don't know of, a, of an organization that is better at drafting quarterbacks than the Packers. Oh, they're great. They're, they're, it, it's unbelievable 
how, how they do it, and especially to watch everybody else struggle with it. Um, so on the AFC side, the Ravens are tough. <laughs> the Ravens, I mean, they're, I would say we're probably looking Niners-Ravens for the, for the Super Bowl. That's kind of where I'm leading. What has wore you out most about Kansas City? Has it been the sideshow? I, I, am, I am petty. So, my hatred for Kansas City, all things Kansas City, comes from George Brett. What? When I was a kid. I love yeah. George. He's my favorite guy. Despise, despise George Brett. I would sucker punch him in the face if I ever saw him. Why? <laughs> we, were, we had those like, little baseball card clubs when we were a kid. Yeah. And we got some, you know, so we loaded everybody up in like vans and we went to Kansas City. And I had George, I got... KC was my like American League team. The Cubs were my National League team. So I had a George Brett rookie card in the little case, mint condition. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to get to the sign. Like, this is going to be cool. So they do the warm-up, you know, and the kids are kind of off to the side getting getting their, their position to get autographs. And I was a little husky at the time. And it was, there was a, a guy to my left and me and then a girl to my right. So he signs the kid to my left. He skips me signs the girl to the right and I'm like oh okay maybe he didn't see me so I waddle back up and I get back in line same thing happens again and now I'm kind of getting mad like I'm pissed do it one more time and I said (laughs) get to the third time and I was like Mr. Brett Mr. Brett we please sign my card and and he looks up at me and he goes I don't sign fat kid cards and I was like oh now I had learned Quite a few words from my father. May he rest in peace. One of my favorite human beings in the world. So I had a, quite an extensive vocabulary. And so I might have told Mr. Brett he could go F himself. And that he was an effing piece of S. And he couldn't hit a curveball anyway. I took, the, I took the card out of the case. And I ripped it up. And I threw it on the field. And then I went and sat in the outfield. And I heckled him the rest of the game. Wow. That's <laughs> At that point in time, I just was like, oh, Kansas City is dead to me, the whole city. I'm, brother, I, I love George. I, I've gotten to meet George a couple of times. You can have him. No, well, but you do you realize you, you you ripped up, I don't know, what's a Brett rookie card worth now? Three, four, five hundred bucks? I, I get it out of principle. I respect it. But he said and looked you in the eye and said, I don't sign fat kids' cards. Yep. I would. I would. I will. I will. I may buy a George Brett card just to burn it. That's a little different. Jose Canseco asked if he could buy my mom a drink one time, but you know. Hey. See. <laughs> uh, but I loved Jose. <laughs> well, Jose didn't call you fat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, dog, you ain't telling me nothing. I don't know. Like, I trust me. I know this. Man. But anyway, yeah. So that's why I don't like Kansas City, any oh. way, shape, or form. Okay. I take that back. The Gordon family, who I got the, the privilege to coach, Scott, they're they're from they grew, they lived in Kansas City for a while, so I like them. Yes. Mad version. Barbecue's overrated. The rest of it can go away. So you probably hate Crown Center too. Not a fan. All right. Mm-hmm. Verse. I don't even know what that is. Is that in Kansas City? Yeah, it's kind of their uh, their cool downtown area. Uh, best Bloody Mary ever. My dad and I went down for a Bengals Chiefs preseason. One of the last trips I took with him, and he took me to the mother of all Bloody Mary spots. It was incredible. 
but yeah, you, every you come into Paisons, I'll make you a better bloody mayor than that. All right, we're headed that way. We'll see you in two fifteen. <laughs> Verge, you take care, brother. Appreciate you much. Thanks for well having a little therapy, man. I didn't mean to go dark there with KC. Sorry about that. Oh no, you're good. I'll get him someday. I will get him. Verge, be good. Thanks again. See you, boys. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hour two at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, the pride of Ord. Back with us, Andy Markowski, to talk some Big Red basketball, and uh, we'll talk some high school and Husker women's as well. Andy, number one in town tonight. You excited? Yeah, I mean, Nebraska's done a, a pretty good job the last few matchups uh, with Purdue. Um, you know, certainly uh, looking at the the betting odds, uh, I just saw it today, and and Purdue's the betting favorite to to win the national title. So not only rank number one, uh, certainly Vegas feels uh, you know they're they're uh, one of the favorites to to win it all in March. Eddie, what and you've been a part of some teams that that went to the tournament, but one of the key mile markers in those seasons, the the fact that you guys took down a big time giant. What do you remember? What's give me the anatomy of an upset? I mean, how does that get pulled off? Well, I, I think you have to have you know good players and 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 a good team, and I think Nebraska you know has that. Um, you know, matchup and and styles are important, and I, and I think just the the last few games that you know we've played against Purdue, we've done as good a job against uh, you know Zach as as, as anybody um, in terms of limiting his touches and, and his points at the rim, you know, so that, that points, you know, in the, in the right direction. I, I think some of the other things that maybe a, a, an average fan doesn't see is, is, is kind of the cadence of, of when you maybe catch a team, you know, sometimes there's three or four prep days, you know, look at the Wisconsin game, you know, Wisconsin had two extra prep days than us. We're coming off a big win at home against Indiana. And, you know, I think emotionally, you know, that didn't set up well for us. You know, this game probably doesn't, that well for us either just with the amount of, of injuries and, and some of those things that, that we have going um, you know Purdue's not really sandwiched into to maybe two big games or, or they're coming off a big win where you emotionally might have the advantage so I, I don't know if that aligns for Nebraska tonight to pull the upset but as you look at big conference upsets normally it's it, it's some of that right where you have a couple extra prep days and you're catching a team you know, kind of in a, in in between either a big win or or maybe another rivalry game right after you, um, and I don't think any of that aligns to Nebraska tonight. So I'm a little nervous that that maybe we won't play them as tough as we have in in the past couple games. And Andy, I can go two ways with this. You mentioned the the the, the betting odds for Purdue to cut down the nets here in April, and uh, the betting line tonight seven and a half points. Uh, Purdue is favored by, and uh, the way I can see it, two different ways is a. Purdue has really struggled at Pinnacle Bank Arena in recent years, as you kind of laid out. Nebraska's really done well against the Boilermakers, especially at home. But then on the flip side of things, Purdue this season, where they've really turned things from last year, is that three-point shooting. Last year, 32% from three. This year, seven whole points better. They're 39% from three. And based on what we saw Saturday against Wisconsin with the Badgers just shooting the lights out of the ball, does that concern you tonight, Purdue's three-point shooting ability? I think the thing that Concerns me the the most. Um, you know, Nebraska's unique style defensively. If you, if you watch them play, 
you know, they, they, they double the post. They, they, you know, they're number one in the country in efficiency of, of, of protection at the rim, um, which means they're, they're going to give up some threes. Um, and, and teams have started to figure that out a little bit. Um, you know, go back to the Creighton game. You know, they were Creighton really had us in rotation a lot. Wisconsin did a really good job of, of taking advantage of, of that double team uh, where they're getting a post at the front of the rim. Indiana started to adjust in the second half. Um, and it's forced Nebraska to, 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 to back off of, of, of what they want to do defensively because teams are starting to, to, to maybe attack it and figure things out. I, I think Matt Painter is a terrific coach. Um, we have really stymied uh, you know, what they've done offensively against us. and I, I just think it's a matter of time where, where he finds some things to get uh, you know, Edney and, and Edie involved where he's going to have a, a big game against us at some point. You're not going to continually hold him into the low. Uh, you know, I think he's had 11 and 13 the last two times. He, he, they're going to find a way to get him some touches. So I, my, my, my fear is uh, with, with, you know, Williams potentially being hurt and not having the positional length, uh, we're going to have to play some smaller guards on the perimeter, and and when you double with some of the smaller guards uh, against somebody that's seven one or two, it's it's, it's kind of irrelevant. And um, you know, my my concern is what what are we going to adjust back with defensively? Because I I do think defensively we've been really good for two years, and in the last two or three weeks, I I feel like teams in the Big Ten are starting to to adjust and take advantage of some of the things that that we're doing and use it against us. Eddie Markowski is with us, Oscar Basketball Standout, Hale Varsity Radio at Markowski underscore Andy's where you find him on Twitter. So uh, what is the, the playbook? What are some options to, uh, to adjust to the adjustment? If Purdue and folks are catching up to, to that double of the post, okay, what, what could Nebraska, what fits Nebraska to come back schematically? Yeah, you know, they're, they're mixing in a little bit of a, of, of a half-court you know, zone trap early in the game. Uh, they they had played some one three one, you know, kind of a year and a half ago to to start to mix things up. That way, maybe you're not, you know, you're not as predictable. Um, you know, they're not going to completely go away from what you do. You you got to have the right personnel to 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 attack us, and Wisconsin does right. I mean, they have a couple big posts, and they can really shoot it from the perimeter at at you know four spots. Creighton could shoot it at at four spots. Um, this Purdue team can can shoot it at four spots, and you know, so so I don't, you know, think it's you know the panic button, meaning you know every every team you've got to adjust. Because the teams that don't shoot it well on the perimeter and or don't shoot it at four spots, we can still you know take take advantage and over help. But you know, Fred and and Coach Lincer are, are are smart. You know, they went away from from some of the post double stuff and. And you know, hopefully, getting Rink, uh, you know, a little bit more healthy, where he's able to to hold up, um, you know, one on one post defense. You know, Alec, I think, is pretty good one on one post defense. Um, you know, Williams is really important because you need that positional size at your three as as you get into the conference. So, you know, it's it's just something I've been watching that that teams are getting a little bit more comfortable with what you know we're doing defensively. So, look for Nebraska to probably adjust and not trap, you know, as predictable, and and hopefully force teams to be a little more off balance. Andy Markowski with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, to flip it around on the offensive side, Nebraska is a team that I don't want to say live by the three, die by the three, but almost 50% of their shots this year, I believe it's uh, 45% of offensive possessions end in a three-pointer. 
how do you see Nebraska trying to get Kisei Tominaga going early tonight? He's He's been better against both Indiana and against Wisconsin. Led to a win against Indiana. Obviously not the same result against Wisconsin. But how do you see them trying to get him going early? Yeah, they'll, they'll stay with the you know the, the same stuff they've been running. I mean, uh, you know, Kisei is a unique player in the sense of, you know, he can't really get his own shot. So, you, you know, you've got a screen. You've got a... Um, you know, having mass back and, and out of foul trouble, uh, you know, allows, uh, you know, Casey to open some backdoor cutting, uh, which, you know, takes teams from just being on top of him all the time and guarding him at the three point line. I think Rink is a, a terrific passer. Um, so, you know, Casey does a pretty good job of, of back cutting. So, you know, Fred's going to run what he does offensively. Uh, you know, having, you know, more players that can shoot it helps Casey because it gives him some space. So, you know, not having Williams on the court. Um, I think we'll hurt them tonight, you know, just because, you know, Gary doesn't shoot as well as, as Williams. You start to play Alec a little bit more with mass, and obviously Alec doesn't shoot it well from the three, which I think allows you to, to focus a little bit more on Wilcher and, and Casey and, and, and limit their three-point shooting. You know, I think Lawrence is, is another player that, that is going to have to consistently find scoring opportunities, make threes. Uh, he still has to be a bigger offensive presence uh, because I, yeah, I just think you need to be able to score at the point guard spot in this league. And, you know, the games that, that he's made shots and got himself to the free throw line, we've won. The games that he struggled, we've lost. Just because I don't think we can, we can score enough points, you know, at the other spots w- without Lawrence finding some baskets. And, you know, he's another key piece, uh, pushing transition and, and get Tominaga some shots before the defense locates him uh, as well, which, you know, hopefully they can play fast against – Purdue tonight, I think they're a little bit more athletic than them on the perimeter. Andy, uh, not to, to go back, but with Wisconsin, they were as good as advertised with their efficiency numbers offensively uh, and, and defensively, and, and I mean, they they almost broke 90. I mean, they, they were just incredible on fire. What is Wisconsin's ceiling? I look at their schedule. We know Purdue's, you know, the, the betting favorite. What about Wisconsin? How high could they climb for March? Yeah, I, you know, with, with uh, what I've seen of Wisconsin and, and how they're playing of late, I, I, I think you've got to factor them in and, you know, top three in the conference. I think Illinois is a little bit of a, of a mystery, right, with, you know, with Shannon potentially, you know, being out. And they've been a little inconsistent since, you know, he, you know, one big win and, and, and then a loss. But, you know, I, I think what I've seen of of Wisconsin is, you know, they're going to factor in the top three in the Big Ten. And, and, you know, if you do that, you're looking at a top, you know, five or, or six seed in the NCAA tournament, which gives you a chance to, to advance into that, you know, that, that sweet 16 second weekend. So, you know, with, with uh, Chucky, you know, I think making another jump forward, um, certainly having all five starters back and then mixing in some some uh, quality freshmen with an you know a, a transfer, you know has given them the right the right pieces. So I I think they'll challenge Purdue for for a conference championship, but but yet we'll fall a little short of that, but still finish in the top three of the league. Andy, based on what you're seeing so far in, in the Big Ten, where do you think Nebraska would need to finish in order to to get a spot in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I, I look at the non-conference. Uh, in terms of how I kind of set my mind on on the best leagues in the country, if you look at Power Five, I, I think the Big Ten, you know, really struggled in some marquee non-conference games, which you know I think can, you know just public opinion, you know, drives that narrative a little bit. So I, I think it's probably a seven uh, bid league. Um, 
you know, so if you ask me, you know, Nebraska, you know, would, would, would have to finish seventh, you know, maybe it could, it could go to eight depending on, you know, a 20 game league schedule. You're, you know, you have a lot of chances to beat those teams that you're competing with, you know, for that seventh, eighth, ninth spot. Um, but, you know, Nebraska just has to protect PBA. I mean, that, you know, that's the, the thing that they did against Indiana. Um, you know, there's going to be good teams that come in here that, that you've got to find ways to win. You know, you've got to go and, and, and hopefully still a couple with the bottom three or four on the, on, on, you know, in the league, on the road. Certainly the Minnesota loss, you know, hurts them. I mean, that, that's a, a place that you probably could go early December and, and win and should have won if, if they could put two halves of basketball together. So I, I think this is a bubble team. I think they've got to uh, stay healthy. Um, they have not been healthy. They're, they're not deep enough to – to have Rink sit out or have Williams be out for a couple games. Had you know they had Alec out. Um, this is a group that I think has to stay healthy. They're just not deep enough to, to get into the ninth and tenth on the bench right now and, and beat the upper teams in the league. So, you know I think Andy Katz still had us in the tournament. I think Bracketology on ESPN has us just out. I think that's kind of a fair spot for us to be in. But you know PBA is a hard place to to, to play and win, which it has been for the last couple of years. They you know they have a chance to get to that. 11 and 9, um, you know, 12 and, and 8, and on top of a couple of good non conference wins, I think they should be right there for, for bubble consideration. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Andy Markowski is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio as we talk Husker basketball, their matchup with Purdue tonight. And Andy, to zoom it out a little bit, what's the, the biggest question mark in your mind in terms of this team's ability to make the NCAA tournament? I mean, we, we've talked plenty about point guard, Casey's uh, ability to turn on. What's your biggest question mark? Yeah, I mean, point, point guard and, and just their, their overall depth and, and, and can they get lucky and, and stay healthy over, over a 20-game schedule? And they, they have not been uh you know lucky at, at this point with with some you know key key injuries at the, at the wrong time to to key players and um you know you gotta get a little lucky you gotta have an ankle sprain uh against uh you know an Ohio State coming to town i mean you know the the, the conference schedule you, you gotta get a little lucky and you know maybe have somebody with the flu at the right time and, and pull off an upset all those things factor into the teams that are on the bubble because you know it's going to be one or two game that are going to make or break this season. But, you know, point guard play, staying healthy, and, you know, really the three-point shot has to, you know, we have to continually make jump shots. We don't score in enough other areas uh, to overcome, you know, a, a four- or five-game shooting slump. Uh, our, our best players have to make threes, um, which, you know, up to this point in some big games, they've, they've shot it pretty well. Andy, I want to get your reaction to Tom Izzo earlier this week as Northwestern drilled Sparty. Northwestern's handed the, the lone loss to Purdue this year, so no shame in that. But Izzo repeatedly in his post game, and it was a 90 second clip in response to an answer about how you can't blame the players anymore. And Izzo, to me, has always been highly emotional, but his heart's been in the right place. Is, is uh, the new generation of athlete wearing old, old Coach Izzo down, in your opinion? I think the whole thing has changed. You know, I, I, I think there's a a natural level of, of selfishness uh, of athletes. You know, they've grown up in, in club and they've transferred clubs and then they transfer high schools and then they have a personal trainer. 
and then they select schools on the opportunity to play and how much money they're going to make, and then they can transfer schools. So I, I don't know if, if the athlete themselves are, are at the school for, for all the right reasons, right? So when you, when you come at them for you know, either not playing well or not playing with effort or, or, or certainly wanting to fire a shelf or losing and make you – know, I, I grew up with Coach Snee and, and then worked for Dan Dockage where they made losing – miserable like if you lost you were either kicked out of the locker room you've lost perks that that went with being a student athlete um you know you ran you you know you were you you just were uncomfortable losing and i don't know if kids care anymore about that or if you make them too uncomfortable it's just so easy for them to to, to pack up and leave so yeah i you know not saying that that this generation athletes you know, worse than, than 20 years ago, but because of, of, of all of those external factors, I, I don't, you know, Izzo is miserable losing, and he wants to, to, to pass that on to your team. I mean, you want them to show up the next night and, and, and win because no one loves to, to, to sit around at a loss, and I don't think you can, you can do that anymore because the fear is you're, you're going to lose the kids or, or they're just going to leave for the next opportunity there, you know, this generation is very nomadic. You know, I, I manage a business. I hire, you know, the, the younger generation, they're very nomadic people. They'll just pick up and leave. And that's no different than the student athletes nowadays. They'll just, you know, pick up and leave and go to one school and then pick up and leave and, and go again. And, you know, I, I think Izzo is, is feeling that. And, you know, I, I think you have to embrace it as it's a one year experiment with each team. And then you start over. There's no such thing as building, a program and seeing carry over year to year. It's, it's just kind of one year assignments and, you know, you've, you've got to figure out what's the best way to coach that group that you have that year. What's a perk that coach knee took away? Oh, it's everything. We got kicked out of the locker room. I mean, they took our ice cream. Uh, we didn't have all the fancy <laughs> stuff they have in there, but they took our ice cream uh, freezer away from us. They took music away from us in the locker room. You know, we used to eat out at steakhouses on the road, um, and if we lost, we would get you know something catered in versus eating out at a steakhouse. So there's all those little things that you know he used to just try to you know keep keep an edge to us and and you know celebrate winning and and you know if he was going to be miserable losing, he he wanted us to fill that misery as well. So is is that your advice to the youth baseball coaches out there, youth bas- youth basketball coaches? Is you don't take the team out for ice cream after a loss? No sprinkles, Andy. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, I tell people this all the time: winning and losing is a skill. Like you either learn how to win, and, and our football program is a prime example of that, right? I mean, they they have learned how to lose games, and they have yet to get over that hurdle where winning is is part of their culture, and they have kids that that know how to win and, you know, winning, winning is no different than dribbling or passing or shooting. I, I think is a skill that's learned and, and losing is a skill that's learned as well. And, you know, and, and the best coaches, you know, make, make losing, uh, you know, once again, they, they, they try to make it miserable. So you understand as an athlete that it's unacceptable and you have to bring better effort the next night out. I imagine Mount Dockage went off after a loss. Yeah, there was uh, between four or five kids getting, you know, kicked off the team and coaches getting fired all the time. I mean, it was all hypothetical, but that was the emotion that, that happened. Uh, and we usually spent the night in the office after a loss. So, so our wives were felt that misery. And, uh, but, 
you know, that was something that he took from, from, from Bob Knight, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, people probably have an opinion about, about that, but I, I do think the best coaches, uh, you know, make it a very uncomfortable, you know, never than rule coming back on a Sunday night and practicing after, mm-hmm. you know, after the Michigan game. Right. I mean, you know, he, he is trying to change that culture and you put things into, into place that, that ultimately make athletes uncomfortable, but hopefully they, they, they power through it and, you know, find, find ways to do little things to, to come out on top. So they, you know, keep, keep that good feeling of winning versus the bad feeling of losing. Andy Markowski. Andy, we'll see you at PBA. Thanks for a few minutes tonight. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Good stuff from Andy. We've got a bit of a downer second hour. First, uh, sorry, fat kid, I'm not signing your autograph. Uh, old Verse sharing the George Brett story and old Andy getting his ice cream taken away by Danny Knee. <laughs> We're getting kicked out of the locker room. Maybe more people needed to take ice cream away from Verse. Maybe George Brett would have signed the, uh, the autograph. I, I that was ki- a low blow. I kid you not. I kid you not with Junior. And I'm not helicopter dad. I'm lucky that the kid can run to first base without wheezing. So, I mean, I'm proud of him. That said, don't, he knew not to if they lost, he was angry. He didn't want to go get ice cream or a root beer float or a Sunday. And uh, in some of the teams he was on or some of the, the, the parents, the players that, you know, kind of all shuffled out. Uh, hey, let's go get. No, you know, your kid had 17 errors. Uh, no, there's no sprinkles today. Mm, see, in growing up as the fat kid. The result of the game did not impact whether or not I wanted ice cream. I wanted ice cream. You wanted wanted ice cream, but it was a carrot. (laughs) It turned into something good. How do you feel tonight? I will get our predictions here in about four or five minutes. I, with with the question mark of Bryce Williams, he is so big for this basketball team. It's not that Nebraska. He's still listed as questionable. I understand. Even if he goes, though, what's his production level like? Where do you supplement? This is an absolute monster resume builder. It's number one. It's number one with just one loss. This puts you on the right side of the bubble. We'll give you a prediction. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Big thanks to Matt Verzel, Eddie Markowski, Mitch Sherman. Mark Manning joins the show tomorrow, Nebraska, Iowa. Set to uh, get after it. End of the week, we'll hear from Mr. Manning and Evan Bland and Mike Babcock tomorrow. Reminder to buckle up, use your seatbelt, it saves lives. Prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. As uh, NU Grandpa says, we're here to talk football or food, and he uh, wishes Andy better times uh, with that story. No free rides for Brandon at his house. Love this. Kids can do dishes from a stool by the age of seven. Yep. They start laundry at age 10. I like how he has them mowing the, the lawn before laundry. At least you can at least have them folding by seven, I think. Yeah, the, the old one. It, it's easier to do. You guys do your laundry as a kid? Next Sometimes. <laughs> I, my dad had me mowing the lawn. My dad had me mowing the lawn at eight. So Same. He had all his job sites, so we'd go around and mm-hmm. mow the lawns. That was just our summer activity, family bonding. Paper route lawns. and mowing and uh, then laundry. What happens tonight? Minus seven and a half. Uh, seven and a half. I need more points than that. I think Purdue gets out of town with a win. I don't like Nebraska's 
mode right now. I just the, the the way they got carved up by Indiana. I think check that uh, by Wisconsin. I think it can happen again tonight. I know there's history. I know it's a resume builder, but I like uh, produce eighty to sixty eight. Connor, let's say you. Let's, I defer to you first here. I think that Nebraska will certainly wake up for this game. Obviously, the questionable status of Bryce Williams is concerning, and I don't think it's anything serious considering he is questionable tonight. But if he doesn't play, obviously that only helps Purdue. I think Purdue gets out of here with a win. I have a hard time seeing a lot of teams in the conference, if any, beating them right now. I think Nebraska will play them just tougher. your Wildcats. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> just I, I think I think Nebraska will play them tough for a little bit here tonight. I think if you're a fan, you're happy with a close loss. But I think Purdue wins. Elijah, the problem with Purdue is it's pick your poison. Like Zach Eady will let Eady get seven. You inside, I don't care, but no one else. It's either Zach Eady kills you inside. Or you crash on him and open up their three-point shooters, which is much better this year. It's pick your poison. Nebraska needs to keep up offensively. They weren't able to keep up despite a good offensive performance with Wisconsin. That's a warning sign to me. If you can't keep up with Wisconsin, good luck keeping up with Purdue. The X factor is the home court. It's not often you get the number one team in the land coming to your building. Uh, Show up. I think the fans will be there. I think the fans will urge this team forward. I think you get a better defensive effort. And I think uh, Casey likes to live for the moment, too. So I think this is a game that is a game down the stretch. I think Nebraska covers. I'm not going to promise a Nebraska victory, but I do think this will keep, be a game that keeps you locked in with your TV set for the full 40 minutes. Can, take, I, can I make that in Nebraska covers without yeah, making a prediction? take the points. That's fine. And uh, make sure you got Peacock tonight, right? Peacock is what it's on? Yep. Uh, Tiger Wait, Shark. Peacock? Yeah. Tiger oh, Shark sure. walked uphill both ways. Good for you. In Iron Man podcast is where you find us. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity Radio. Tell a friend. Uh, check out the YouTube channel with Hale Varsity as well. Can watch the show that way or replay it. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at H Varsity Radio. Give that a follow. Connor, thank you for jumping on tonight. You're back next week. Uh, yeah, sometime around there. I'll I'll be subject to change, but. Keep you posted. Well, if you're bored, hop on whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Doors open. Elijah, good to see you. Thanks for all of you checking in on the stream and uh, listening to us back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.